Hey, um, really appreciate. Oh, man, I love Sunday nights, and I uh, really appreciate you folks coming out. Us folks coming out. Um, it's great, eh? It's just a little bit of a different atmosphere from Sunday morning. Sunday mornings are cool. Uh, in fact, every service is a little bit different, but I really do appreciate everybody coming out. And man, I really hope that uh, it's well worth your while. That worship was great. Harrison's group. So uh, let's thank those guys. They were awesome, eh? I really love that worship. It was beautiful. Harrison and Addison. Um, hey, if you've got a Bible or a, a U, what is it? A U version. Uh, we're in Matthew 6, so why don't you open or text or whatever you do, uh, get to your story, I mean to your passage. So we're in Matthew 6, and we're looking at that, um, that prayer, the Our Father, uh, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, some call it the Disciples' Prayer, um, or the prayer that the Lord taught the disciples to pray. So, um, and we're, um, yeah, I guess this is week five, and it's been great. I'm going to do a little summation in a second. I'll just get all my stuff up and running here. Uh, yeah, my name is Elby. I haven't done this for a while. It's kind of a quiet night, which that's okay. Here we go. Um, I haven't done this for a while, so if there's any new people here, you'll, you'll be incredibly impressed with this. So um, I'm just going to share my whole name. Uh, so I am the youth pastor here. Uh, I've been here for seven years, and it has been absolutely amazing. I've had such a cool time. I've probably learned more in these seven years than I have in my first um, sort of, I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but more than 30 other years uh, of doing stuff. It's been really great working with some great people and seeing God do some great stuff, working with a really great youth ministry and with some wonderful people, working with a great leadership team in this church. Uh, it's been really cool. And uh, so you can say my name after me. So Alberto and Mascaretti. Okay, and I'm going to say it all together with the middle names as well. And let's see how well you do. Try to listen and try to do it. Some of you have heard this before, but here it goes. Alberto Gabriello Giovanni Scabrelecio Madrid di Nacelli Borsellini Mascaretti. Hey. So, yeah, yeah. And some of that's not true. I, I've got to be honest. I don't want to get, I'm in church. I don't want to be struck by lightning. Um, hey, just turn to somebody beside you who you didn't come with, um, somebody new, and just, uh, just share your name. Um, tell your true name. You're in church. Um, and, and, and just tell of a time, can you think of a time when you were just so busting with good news that you were blurting it out to everybody that you met. So just, you've got a minute uh, while I get ready up here and just tell that story. You're busting with good news. You won lotto, um, you know, go, tell your story. Has everyone got one? Did you, did you tell a story? Have you all got one? Who, who never had that experience? We're family. Did, has anyone never had news that they were busting to tell? Put your hands up. We'll pray for you because it's, I'm sure we all have a. Um, uh, I was going to do this and then I wasn't going to do it, but then that second last song that they sang, uh, Great is Your Faithfulness. I will do this. 
Um, and this is a freebie, so it's, it's not really in my notes. So I'm, this is a freebie, which um, I'm going to give away. It's worth the, the price of admission, which was free, so it's, it could not be worth much. But um, just, you know, as we go through scriptures, and you might be new to church, and you might be new to the Bible, um, and I, I just want to, I'd love to just give you two cents worth of advice. Um, and it goes back to that song, Great Is Your Faithfulness. Um, and I, I was going to say it about this series that we're doing on the Our Father. Uh, but I'll go to Great Is Thy Faithfulness. I was working on a farm, uh, yeah, probably 30-ish years ago, just, just 28 when my daughter was born. Um, and was way in the back of Tupuki. And I just had long days on my own. Uh, and I'd been to Bible college a few years previous to that, and I always wanted to be, um, I actually always wanted to be a youth pastor, so it's kind of cool. Uh, delight yourself in the Lord, and he gives you the desires of your heart. And I didn't want to be a pastor, that's boring, uh, you know, or a music guy. I just wanted to be a youth pastor, because I thought that would be more fun, get to drag guys behind trucks and take people to the hospital and stuff. And, um, uh, and, and, and I had my dreams come true, but this was before this dream came true. I was working on this farm. Um, and I, and I thought, well, you know, and I memorized a bit of scripture. I thought, well, I've got so much time on my hands. And it's a kind of a, didn't have to think too much. And I started memorizing scriptures. So, and one of the scriptures that I bounced into was Lamentations. Now, I can't remember the beginning of it because it was so long ago. But it starts, I'll pick it up somewhere. And it's like, um, I remember the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them. So this is Lamentations. Jeremiah's having a real tough time. I well remember them. Uh, and my soul is downcast within me. I well remember them. But this I call to mind. And therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. Great is your faithfulness. And, and, and I would, you know, I'd be out on the back of the farm. And there'd be some goats and some sheep. And I'd be preaching, practicing preaching um, to the, the cows. A few of them got saved. And um, um, and, and, and that was one of my first verses, and I would just say it over and over again. And, it, and, it, and, and God's word, um, you know, it, when you're just saying it and ruminating on it and memorizing it, it, it speaks to you. God speaks to you through his word. The word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. The word of God is God's breath, and so God speaks to you. So there's my two cents of advice. I'll finish that story in a second, but, but why don't you try that this week? And I've done it with the, with the Lord's Prayer, so I was brought up Catholic. And so, of course, we learned this prayer and the Hail Mary and a few other ones. Uh, and, uh, and so I kind of had that memorized. So I've just, over the years, I just kind of am driving along, and I'm just praying, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Uh, and, and more recently, I've been doing it over my loved ones. I've been doing it over my marriage and over my, my little village of Makatu, and I'm doing it over my children. Uh, and so I'll just be thinking of my daughter, and I'll start just praying, you know, Father, you know, in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come in my daughter's life. You know, your will be done in my daughter's life. It's really powerful. Um, I, you know, I, I, I could copyright that because I haven't heard anyone else doing that. I think it, but I'm sure someone else has. Um, but just, just, you know, try that and pray it over your loved ones. Pray it over your church, over your city, uh, your family, over your country, over your world. And there's just this power when you say those words. Now, back to this, uh, great is your faithfulness, and this is for free. Um, so about, oh, gee, six or seven months ago or six months ago, uh, uh, the guy who was going to marry my daughter, uh, Dan, he calls me up. He says, I've engaged. Um, you know, I, I've asked your daughter to, ma to marry me. And she said, no. Uh, what do I do? No. Now she said, yes. And, uh, and he says, yeah. And, and we've been, yeah, we've been having this real revival spiritually. And we've been, um, you know, writing scriptures in each other's diary. We've got these diaries. And then he started to say, the scripture that he had written in my daughter's diary that day 
And it, they were both crying. It was just real powerful. And it was, that scripture, great is your faithfulness. And he started saying it to me. And I jumped in, because I'm, I'm a show off. And, and, and I started quoting it ahead of him. And he just burst out. No, he didn't cry because he's a guy. He wouldn't, want, he wouldn't want you to know that he said this. But water came out of his eyes. And, uh, and, and, he, uh, and it was that same scripture. And he, but here's the deal. I just remember picking a scripture that touched me 30-odd years ago. I used to pray that scripture over my kids and over my family and, and just, you know, great is your faithfulness. And here's the guy that's going to marry my daughter. They're married now. And here he is praying it over my daughter. Isn't God awesome? So the word of God is just so awesome. And let's, let's fly into this scripture. Um, so we've been looking at the Lord's Prayer. Um, and, and some of the things that I've gotten out of it, you know, uh, I've tr just tried to sum up uh, where we've, um, you know, where we've been coming up to tonight. So we talked about our Father, and I think it was Monica that started this off, and, and the fact that, you know, we can call him Lord and Master and King and Sovereign. But uh, to sum it up, when Jesus teaches us how to pray, teaches his disciples to pray, he, you know, we can sum it up by Father, which is so cool. I love throwing in that bit, our, because there's so many assumptions in the Word of God or things that aren't said outright, but they're there. And when you ruminate, when you just regurgitate the Word, you start seeing these things. It's our, so you're not alone. Um, you know, we're part of a team. Jesus didn't say my father. He said when he's teaching you to pray, teaching us to pray, he says our father. Uh, and then hallowed, you know, honored, uh, and holy be your name. Like may, may the world see your name as holy. We had such a cool sermon on that, that you know, it's not just uh, otherly, this pure God who's so far beyond us that we can't uh, ever reach him, we can't understand him, we can't relate to him. But th that holiness brought him down to this world, uh, and, and, and he got muddy and bloody. And that, that kind of holiness, and may your name, Jesus, be, Father, may it be hallowed, may it be holy. But it's not this, you know, squeaky clean Christians who have their own Christian football league. It's Christians who get involved. You know, God's name gets hallowed in the world when we get muddy and bloody. Isn't that cool? I love that message. And then we talked about the kingdom coming, praying for the kingdom to come. But it's not just future um, that we have to beg God to get, you know, uh, when, you, when you break that passage down, that kingdom is already coming. It's already coming. All we're doing is declaring it. Uh, and that was a cool message because that was me. And, uh, and then we, and also that God, not just the kingdom, the principles and the values of the kingdom uh, infesting and infecting our city, uh, but the will, the personal will of God in my life, the personal will of God in your life, um, and then, uh, you know, the fact that the daily bread, which was last week, you know, and we talked about the fact that we are just utterly dependent on God for everything, not just the material stuff. Uh, and, and, and we're to come to him daily and ask for everything. So that's where we've come from. And tonight we're looking at this passage here. Uh, and there, it, to me, there's a secret hidden in this passage um, that I'll bring out just, just as, we, as we close. I love the fact that when Jesus teaches us to pray daily, uh, when the disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray, and he included this passage, because without this passage, I would always be in doubt, because I know my heart, and I know my life, and the fact that Jesus included this passage, and we're going to look at it in a second, just gives me so much hope, and actually gives me that hope that, that I asked you to think about at the beginning, hope that when it really settles um, when it really hits home, when it becomes part of you, will cause you to 
to shout the name of Jesus and the glory of God from the mountaintops. It'll cause you to bust out, um, even if people don't like it, even if people don't like you, even if people are going to laugh at you, even if people are going to persecute you. I mean, I, I've learned to love the All Blacks as much as I love the Toronto Maple Leafs. And um, I'm not afraid to stand up for the All Blacks in public and with Australian guys and South African guys. And wouldn't it be cool? And shouldn't we? Actually, couldn't we? Because shouldn't's not a good word. It's a guilty word. But couldn't we be people who love God so much, who is so far higher than the Leafs or the All Blacks? Couldn't we be people who just bust out appropriately, just saying, man, we love this God. So um, that's where we're going to go today. Uh, and so we're looking at this verse, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And uh, which leads me to a little story. Uh, Luigi's lucky day. Now, my dad's name is Luigi. And, um, you know, when I was a kid, I was like six, seven, eight years old, just in, in the primers. And, and my dad, he used to tell us stories that, you know, he came over to Canada. So he was born in Italy, met my mom in Switzerland. And, and he came over to Italy, uh, to Canada, um, uh, you know, before I was born, because I was born in Canada. Um, and he, he said that he came over with Christopher Columbus, Cristofolo Colombo. Um, and he also had the guy that uh, discipled him or apprenticed him uh, in woodwork. And in, in, he, was a, a, he was an amazing guy. I mean, he was, a, he was an, uh, an engineer and a uh, cabinet maker. And he was born in this little village. Uh, and the guy who apprenticed him was named Checo Belot. And Checo Belot was this massive guy that he used to always tell us about. And I'm just like six, seven years old. And I still remember the name Checo Belot. And he could drive in nails with his hands. He could just pound nails with his hands. Dad came over to Canada from, with Christopher Columbus. Uh, so I went to school, and I told all my friends and my teachers this, right? And, and everyone's just laughing at me, and I can still remember walking home from school going, man, these guys, they don't know anything. Um, but another story about my dad was that he was in, on one of the first transatlantic flights. Uh, he flew from Rome over to New York. Uh, and, and he, was, he was flying back in the early days when they, the, the planes were smaller and they were propeller-driven and, uh, and, and smaller cabins. And my dad, Luigi, was sitting with, Chris, uh, not Christopher Columbus, <laughs> he was sitting with John D. Rockefeller, just happened to be sitting with him. And, um, and, and they're chatting away and they're getting to know each other. And then they're, they're, they're coming into land in New York. They're still about 20,000 feet off the ground. And, uh, and the pilot says, hey, we're having engine problems, uh, so uh, you're going to have to jump. Now, my dad, being Italian, always carried a parachute, and, uh, you know, because he just didn't trust, you know, technology. And so they opened the doors, and my dad jumped out of the plane, you know, like 20,000 feet uh, above New York. And he's flying through the air, and he pulls his parachute, pop, you know, the canopy goes up, and he's safe, and he's floating down. And he looks, and he sees this little dot hurtling towards him. And as it gets closer and closer, and he realizes it's a person, and he just reaches out, and he grabs this person. It was John D. Rockefeller. And Rockefeller's just gone, I can't believe it, man. You saved my life. I'm going to give you like half of my billion-dollar fortune. And Luigi goes, Mamma Mia. That might not be true either. But imagine, just carry on imagining that they, they safely land on the ground, that Luigi do, doesn't let them go, and they land on the ground, and then now they're, they're both just shaking themselves off, and the canopy kind of floats down, and, and, and John D. Rockefeller's there, and he's wiping the, the dust, and his suit's all rumpled, and, and he looks at his suit, and he goes, would you look at this? It's a mess. 
look, look, look what you did to my suit. Look at my hair. Man, my hair's all messed up. And, and, and what's that on your hands? Like pizza and salami. And you, and you got pizza and salami on my suit. It says, man, you've ruined my day. Now just imagine that. Would John D. Rockefeller, would the billionaire do that? It, I'm, I'm looking for an answer. Would the billionaire do that? Okay, no, thank you. Because that's what I think too. I don't think he would. But tonight I want to propose to you that uh, I think we sort of do the same thing. We're going to look at this passage. And I think we do that with God. And those of us who are followers of God, those of us who are trying to follow Jesus, who've given our lives to Jesus, I think that in some ways we do that. And we carry the story, and we're going to look at the story in a minute, of this incredible salvation, a salvation that is far greater than Luigi saving John D. Rockefeller, because it's an eternal salvation. And we're going to look at some of the details of that in a second. And how many times do we wake up in the morning and we're, we're weighed down with concerns and we're weighed down with, with worries and complaints? I know I do. And what's wrong with that picture? Because John D. Rockefeller, in that moment of being saved by Luigi, he would count all of his billions as nothing. He'd give them away just because he was alive. And isn't there a challenge in the scripture we're going to look at tonight? Isn't there a challenge that we could be like that? We could be people who are just so blown away, so in love, so appreciative, so thankful for what these words mean that we're going to look at, that we would just be filled with glorifying God and being thankful for the rest of our days. So, this passage that we're looking at, forgive us our debts. And the word for debt is ophile. Um, and that word uh, talks about a, due, a payment that is due. It's a legal term, and it's, it's a payment that has got to be made. Uh, and it's a debt. It's money that's owed, and there's a price to pay. Um, there are consequences if it's not paid. So that's, that's the meaning of that word. Um, And, and when Jesus brings, in this prayer, when Jesus brings up the terms that we're going to look at tonight, this, um, the debt and forgiveness, what he's doing is he's connecting this prayer that the disciples asked him to pray, just a simple prayer. They watched him. They watched the way he lived. They watched his prayers, and they said, teach us to pray. And when he teaches them this prayer, he's connecting that prayer. He's connecting the ideas of that prayer to the big story, the huge Jewish biblical story. And he's connecting it to a macro story. We're going to look at that in a second. Um, and so he brings up the concept of sin, uh, of debts, and he brings up the concept of forgiveness. Uh, but that's connected to a far greater story than just a daily prayer. And the other thing that, 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 that comes out of this prayer is Jesus isn't just trying to teach his disciple words. Because I was brought up in a tradition where we learned words, and we repeated them like a parrot. But what Jesus is trying to do is he's trying to teach the disciples a life attitude that the words indicate. So it's not about just saying words. It's about living those words and having those words be a reality in your life. And we're just going to have a quick look at what, uh, what that would mean. So the big story is simple. Um, it's that the world was, was 
And, and the disciples would have known this story. It's a story that we probably have to tell new generations. Um, you know, as, as this world becomes a post-Christian world, we probably have to catch up, catch the world up and tell them the story. But the world was created perfect. Um, and you and I know that, you know, you watch the Discovery Channel or, uh, or you just learn the tiniest fact from biology or chemistry. And you and I know that we live in an absolutely miraculous world. There are just miracles going on around us all the time, which I think we should appreciate. But the world was far more miraculous and far more perfect um, when it was created. And, you know, Paul says that the world now is groaning, that the whole world, not just we as sinners, but the world is groaning because it's fallen and it's broken. It's not what it used to be. And, and, and God created this perfect world and... and put the human race into it, put our ancestors, our, our forefathers into, into that world, and they blew it. They, they sinned. And it, right, in, right in the very first two or three chapters of Genesis, Genesis says that sin is crouching at the door, and it's willing, it's wanting to take hold of you, but you have to master it. So the story of sin goes right back to the first chapters of the Bible. And the big story is this, that everyone has turned away. And this would be the understanding that disciples had. Every, everyone has turned away. And they have altogether become corrupt. And there is no one who does good, not even one. And even our, our righteousness, as Paul says in the book of Romans, even our righteousness, our, when we try to do our best in the eyes of God, because we've separated ourselves from him, that they are like filthy rags. And then it gets even worse. It gets worse than that because it's not just that, uh, that we're corrupt and that we're sinners. And again, this is the underpinning. This is the foundation to, to this prayer. Uh, but that the wages of sin is death. So there's a price to pay uh, because of these sins. And that's why everybody dies. And it's not just a physical death. It's the death of marriages. And it's the death of parenting. It's, it's, it's the millions of little deaths within the big death. And uh, the wages of sin is death, according to the Bible. And this is the big story. But here is the, is the clincher. And this is the underlying story that Jesus is trying to communicate in this simple passage, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And this is the great story, and, and, and it hasn't happened yet when Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. But it's already typified in the Old Testament because so many stories of the Old Testament, the sacrificial system, the temple, are looking forward to this wonderful story that Jesus finally fulfills. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And redemption is a legal word as well, which is simply, it just, it just means it's buying. So we have redemption. We've been bought. And we've been bought with his blood. This is the big story, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. And that's the underlying, that's the underlying foundation that Jesus knows his disciples understand. And then he says, forgive us our debts. So debts... Remember, debts are, are, are um, uh, it's, uh, it's um, what's my word? It's a debt that you owe, uh, and there's a price to be paid for that debt, that that debt has to be paid. You're in a hole. We, like, like we start off the equation in a hole, like students. And and then the, Jesus says that there's this um, um, that there's this redemption which is underlying um, the story. Um, 
And then, he, and then he says, forgive us our debts. And the word for forgive is afiem. And now this is the beautiful part. This word, this word, sitting on top of this amazing foundation, connected to this macro story of the gospel, this word afiem means to send away, to completely cancel. Um, it's the same word that's used when someone divorces somebody else. So it's a word which, which it completely nullifies the relationship, abandonment, and desertion. And when Jesus teaches us to pray, he teaches us to say, Father, Heavenly Father, just completely abandon, completely send away my debt. Completely divorce yourself from this debt that I have to you. And it's because of this and it's, be, it's because of this bigger story that Paul can later say, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Who could finish that? And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And it's because of this bigger story, it's because of the fact that you and I are indebted we have a debt to God that we can't pay. That the price to pay, that there's, the, that there's a wage that needs to be paid because of that debt. Someone has to pay it, and it's either me, and there's no one else who can pay it, but God chooses to pay it, and he pays it by sending his son. And Colin talked about that, that Jesus got bloody, and he got muddy for you and I. That Paul can then say, and this is true for you and I tonight, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer, this kind of prayer, and petition, we can ask for things. That's what petition is. But let's be thankful people. Busting with news that we can't keep in because this is true. And this is the foundation that the Lord's Prayer sits on. And I remember when I first started looking at this prayer back in the day when I, was, I, I grew up in a system that taught me I had to work my way to God and which caused most of us to just give that up because you can never work your way to God. We knew that. And then I understood that actually I can, I can have salvation if I put my faith in the fact that Jesus has paid the price for me and if I, if I surrender my life, I was 20 years old, if I surrender my life and trust that he has paid for this debt, that he has forgiven this debt, he has wiped the slate clean, that I can be born again. I can, I can, my citizenship can change from an enemy of God to an heir of God. My citizenship changes, and I understood that. But then I would read this prayer, and I would go, but hang on, if Jesus is asking me, and this might be a question that some of us have here, if Jesus is saying that every time I pray, I have to say, forgive me my debts as I forgive those who have debts against me, my debtors. Does that mean that I keep jumping from one citizenship to another? Does that mean that every single time, every single time I fail, every single time I fall over, which is often, that I have to be saved again? And, uh, and this is the cool thing. This is the cool thing about this line, that because Jesus... 
builds these verses on top of this bigger story, this foundation that God once for all has bought those that trust in him. He has bought them into his kingdom, and they've gone from darkness to light. They've gone from death to life, that we are safe in him, that the gifts of God will never be taken away, as the scripture tells us. And so we can have this assurance that we're not asking Every time we fail, and this is why I love this verse. This is why I'm so glad that Jesus included this verse in our daily prayers. Because I'm not having to be saved again and again and again because I am a son of God. I am a citizen of heaven. But while I'm still living in this earth, I'm a foreigner in this earth. And my citizenship is with Christ, and my sins are forgiven, but I'm living in this earth, and this is... This is, a, you know, as you compare Scripture with Scripture, and this is underlying this story, that, that, that this is a theological truth that we are saved and we are blood-bought and we are sons of God, but we're still living on this planet, and we still have a holdover from our old citizenship, so we still can sin. And we still can feel the pressure of this world because we're foreigners, we're strangers, the Bible calls us, in this, in this world. But we can know that our forgiveness is eternal and that the slate is washed clean. Amen? Isn't that beautiful? And so that when we pray this daily prayer, Lord, forgive us our sins, it's not that we are begging God to save us again. We are saved. We are clean. And we have this inheritance. But we are simply declaring again, and it's like the kingdom thing, from a few weeks ago, it is we are declaring again our independence. We're, we're standing on the absolute assurance that when we say, Father, and I blew it this morning, I blew it last night, and I can just say, Father, forgive me my debts. We're standing on the fact that we know that our debts are forgiven. Amen? We don't need to be forgiven again and again. And it goes without saying, it goes without saying that if you understand that and if that's real for you, that you will forgive those who you are indebted to. It goes without saying. It can't be. You cannot be unforgiving to those who owe you a little bit when God has forgiven you so much. And so tonight, I'll just ask the musicians to come up. I just, I just, I want to ask you to, uh, I want to ask you two questions. And it's simply this. So in this prayer that Jesus has taught his followers to pray for 2,000 years, to pray every day, he asks us to forgive us our debts. And for some of us, you may never have done that. So tonight, I want to ask two questions. And the first question is this. If you have never done that, if you have never surrendered yourself, admitted that you are a debtor, that you are in debt to the Father, and you are in debt to other people, and you have never come to God in faith and just said, forgive me my debts. And here's the good news tonight. Here's the good news is that I can assure you, and the Bible assures you, that you are already forgiven because Jesus has already paid the price and you simply reach out and receive your forgiveness and you make it personal. So that's my first question. 
that will you receive that forgiveness? And my second question is this, is if you already have received that forgiveness, if you've already been saved from that hopeless, helpless fall, and you've been saved from the worst crisis that you could ever imagine, that you could ever experience, if you have been saved, and you've, you've landed safely on the ground, and you're forgiven, and you're loved, the slate has been wiped clean, the debt has been paid, if you've already asked for that forgiveness, here's my question. Does it show? Does it show in the way you live your life? And I'm not saying that it should. I'm just saying that it could. That we could be people. If these truths, if these truths really become a part of us, if they're not just words, we take them in and they change our hearts and we really know that we've been saved from the greatest crisis, it would show. It could show. And when we wake up in the morning and we talk to our children, that joy will flow. When we talk to our spouse, there should be a reservoir of joy and lightness. I can still remember the first week I was a Christian. And I want to stay there. I want to live at that height, that, that, that sense that I have been saved. I'm eternally safe. Does it show? When you go to work, are we moaning, complaining about the weather, about the, the car bills, about the mortgage, about the neighbor? Does it show? And tonight, the Lord has given you the opportunity to to open your heart afresh, either for the first time, to receive that forgiveness for the first time, or secondly, to say, Lord, man, please let this show. I, I believe it. Man, let me be a person that shines this joy. In Jesus' name, Father, we, we just pray, Lord, that you'll continue to grow us up this beautiful prayer. Forgive us our sins. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those sin against us as we forgive our debtors. Lord, I pray that this will become an ever-growing reality in my life and in everybody in this room, Lord, that this becomes real and more real for us day by day and that it shows that it shows we've been saved, we're forgiven, and the slate has been wiped clean. Amen.